It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Stuff coming in. This is the, why are you ignoring the players of the team that Michigan cheated against? They were penalized. Why shouldn't the players from Michigan be penalized? This is you. Hey, question for Rod. As a player, how long would it take for you to realize your coaches might be getting calls? Once or twice is a good coach call. Good hunch. Eventually you'd realize it, right? Yeah. Um, that's a, man, that's a great. I was going to go try to find it. Because um, Patrick, uh, I believe, sent it to me. Patrick Davis on the Sports Complex. We were doing Ball Don't Lie. There's a great um, piece of audio from a former player with the Denver Broncos when Josh McDaniels was the um, head coach there. And he talks about how Josh McDaniels essentially was telling him exactly what the other team was going to run. Exactly. Now, and, and we know Josh McDaniels is not a brilliant coach. No. And he said he came come to find out later. They found out about like uh, Spygate and everything. It's like, oh, that guy must still have some records. He must have still had the actual like some of the actual material. He must still had it somehow because he knew he, he was telling them exactly what they were gonna run. I gotta find the audio. It is fantastic. Um, and maybe I gotta hit up my man Patrick and ask him if he said it. But he's talking about essentially what you know. I mean, that Spygate was obviously a very sophisticated um, espionage operation. Um, they had their own database of yeah. teams, plays, and signals, that kind of stuff. And yeah, I, you know, I, I think it would give you a huge advantage. I think I would know. I think I'm, I think I believe, I'm a mo- enough of a football intellectual that I would go, no, nah, man, something ain't right. You ain't giving us the why as to, you know, why we need to be here and there. Usually coaches are big on the why. The reason that I need you to key in on this and the reason I need you to, uh, to, to, to make this audible or to this check or we need to make this adjustment is because of this reason. And they, they're just, they'll just be doing it. They'll be like, no, you need to be here in this gap. Be like, why am I in that gap? Uh, no, because we said move to that gap. That's just a check. So I think I would, I would grow suspicious of it. I think I'd know. Well, I, I don't. I mean, you can uh, extrapolate this out in the third and fourth level effects. You got to think there's some NFL personnel people saying, wait a second. I thought that kid had great instincts. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> we give him a higher grade because he was in the right damn place all the time. Exactly. That guy, exactly. you know, he wasn't the fastest guy, but dang, he was in the right damn place every time. Um, you know, in the NFL, people are like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to try to find that audio and send it to Ty. Oh, I might have to well, hit look, him. Well, look, and, and again, I'll, you know, you, we keep talking about the Astros and the trash can, and there's, that was inexcusable. And if you go back to when I was on the radio when that was happening, I was, you know, I was happy that they didn't strip the World Series, but I wouldn't have been against it. I didn't have an argument against it. Exactly. If Major League Baseball had stripped it yeah. and said, I mean, I know they didn't do that, and I'm happy they did. And that's why when the Astros went on to, you know, get to another and win another and, you know, keep the level going without doing that, that buoys a fan and says, you know, look, they're, they're still really good players. But that 2017, that was inexcusable. 
um, and should have been punished harsher. And we know Major League Baseball did not. I was an advocate for that at the time, even though that's my team. But mm-hmm. uh, that's why, because if the Astros had fallen back in the pack and just been an average team from that point on, then that would have been Dan, it, yeah, Dan, damning. That's the indictment. That's the fact that they, and that's why I'll argue for Jose Altuve for Hall of Fame and those kind of things, because he's kept the level. The level's never dropped, and I don't think he was using the trash can. But either way, oh, that, was, it was a buzzer for him. Remember? Yeah, the buzzer. Right? That's, <laughs> that's, well, look, you put yourself open to conspiracy theories and those joking. kind of things when you do that. I was just joking. No, I, mean, I agree, but at the same time, um, so I'll defend Altuve, but you can't defend the Astros for 2017. You just can't. I mean, that's that's high crimes and misdemeanors man mm-hmm. that's that's their high crimes and felonies that's a bad deal it is um and again the then that's why i'll say that you know those saying well everyone was doing it they were you know the baseball was asleep at the wheel baseball was slow to react and they did the same thing during steroids uh with technology and the ability to use technology to you know, science dealing had always been a part of baseball, but then technology gave it it was like on steroids itself yeah to be able to acquire those signs quicker and relay them quicker and all of those things. Um, but the NCAA, much like Major League Baseball, is slow on this. Yep. Uh, we should – if this has been going on for two years and there's been whispers around the Big Ten that it's going on, this is where I, I will you know, point the finger at some of the coaches in the Big Ten. You know, at your coaches' meetings, you could vote for headset communication. You could vote for it. If yep. you really thought sure. this was going on and you thought there was an issue being had, why did you vote against it? Um, you know, why would you not add headset? Because that's at a conference level, Rod. That's big, man. Uh, but or maybe I'm wrong. The NCAA has to make it a rule that everyone can do. I my understanding is if if the conferences wanted it, the NCAA wouldn't wouldn't stop them from it if they are paying for it. I agree with that. Right? Yeah. With for conference games. Yes. You'd have to work out an agreement for non-conference games. But either way. Uh, all right. Did you before I get to my headlines, Rod, and we get to the behind the burn? Not my headlines. The headlines. Did you have any bullish or BS that uh, you wanted to lay out there, or you? Um. Actually, yeah. You give uh, it to me. You just brought up one, so I think we. It's actually. I think it's uh, appropriate, it's relevant. So the NCAA actually just approved headset communication for the bowl games. Oh. And they did it on the side. I don't know what the NCAA does. They do stuff on the slide. Like they don't want people to know about it. It's so weird. Um, but apparently that was Meaning, an Including the 14 playoff? Yes, comes from the athletic. It said not only is helmet communication technology allowed in bowl games next month, but sideline tablets will also be allowed. It said the NCAA just approved it last week. Come from the athletic. It's going to be so weird. You may do stuff that's good. <laughs> it's like you should you should promote that NCAA. This is part of the national yeah, but conversation. It also makes you look dumb. How long, does, how long have those surface tablets? I mean, surface tablets have been on NFL sidelines for a decade. Well, helmet <laughs> helmet <laughs> communication has also been what available for what 40, 50 years now. All right, forever. And the NCAA still had nothing about it. But yeah, that's one of the articles from the Athletic is that um, and maybe it was maybe it was because of this. Um, story becoming a national story and people now nationally asking the question, as you just pointed out, why the hell does the uh, college game not allow helmet communication? What's going on there? What is the reason this multi-billion dollar right, arm of the sports industrial complex doesn't want helmet communication? And then you dive deeper and you realize it's because they're just an old antiquated entity that mm, hates it progress. Is. It is. <laughs> I, I, I could be wrong on this, but it, I feel like there was a commercial with Pat, Peyton Manning with a, like a surface laptop or a computer on the sideline i don't know if it's that long ago might yeah. have, i mean it's just that's been going on in the nfl forever i didn't even realize that that yeah. was not allowed on sidelines they say okay so so this, here's here's the article from the athletic it says at least temporarily this december teams will be allowed to use communication technology in um oh how about this ah they got gotcha. you none college football playoff bowl games so they did get you so it came none college football playoff bowl games 
So none see basically not the playoffs. Not the college football playoffs. Oh, great. Just that's bowl the, games? That's, yeah, they said non-college football playoff bowl games. Well, again, that's so dumb. That, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Even when they do something that you try to applaud, you go, well, that's stupid. Why not? They said they'll also be allowed to use in-game video technology like tablets on the sideline. The, the use of each will require agreement from both participating teams and the conferences. Um, the NCAA Football Rules Committee approved the communication technology experiment in the summer. How about this? After a request from the Big Ten Ooh. to allow communication and sideline technology in games during the season. The use of video technology uh, in bowls was just approved last week. Um, this has been a topic, obviously, front and center because of the recent allegations against Michigan. Oh, now they're like, oh, yeah, we probably should have approved that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, we forgot about it. Was that on your desk, Jim? Hey, Jim, Damn it, Jim. Jim <laughs> go ahead and let's do it for the bowl game. <laughs> Look like we're being proactive here. Right, exactly. Because now we're going to have to hammer Michigan. Because they're always reactive, and once again, reactive. They wouldn't even be broaching the subject if that not interesting. becoming a national 10, topic. But the Big right. Ten asked about it. Yeah, they did. Well, maybe, that means they knew scuttlebutt was I, about. I've said this before, but I'll remind folks that, that hadn't heard it but, or, and forgot. Tony Batiti, the uh, commissioner of the Big Ten, came from baseball. Um, he, was, uh, he was in the media department. He started the MLB network. Uh-huh. Uh, and so the whole Astros thing, he was very intimately involved in that. Um, he understands sign stealing. He understands these things from the baseball level. Uh, and now he's dealing with it in the football realm where he's the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference at the center of this whole thing. Hey, let's get to the other, other, other top stories, the headlines of the morning. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonequiver bring you the top stories. College Football Playoff Selection Committee released its second set of rankings last night. As most expected, the eight, top eight spots unchanged week over week, including the Longhorns, still number seven. Uh, five undefeated teams take the top five spots. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington. Uh, eight and one Horns again, one spot behind eight and one Oregon in that battle to be the highest ranked one loss team. Texas did remain at one spot ahead of Alabama, despite Bama's win over LSU. Uh, other Big 12 teams making the rankings include Oklahoma State at 15, Kansas at 16. Oklahoma tumbles down to 17 after the loss at Bedlam, and K-State remained in the rankings after their loss to Texas. They're at number 25. Longhorns now not focused on the college football playoff rankings. They're turning their attention to Saturday night's matchup with unranked TCU. Uh, Coach Sark uh, after uh, has his eyes firmly planted on the Horn Frogs after their magical season a year ago. The Horn Frogs struggling in 2023. They enter the contest at four and five. They've lost four of their last five games overall. Coach, according to Coach Sark, there will be no shortage of motivation for his team, though, because obviously they're sitting at number seven in the rankings, but also they're poor showing against the Horn Frogs a year ago. Man, we just we didn't put our best foot forward a year ago, and we made some really uncharacteristic errors um, that I think a lot of the guys on our team would like to kind of. You know, that, man, I want I want to go show them what I'm actually capable of and the way that I can really play. And so that's something that uh, I know the guys are looking forward to as well. No NBA last night. The league took the uh, election day off. There was college basketball, including 20th ranked Baylor. They rallied for a win over Auburn in a game played in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, 88-82. The five-star freshman Jacoby Walker put on a show at his debut. 15 of his 28 in the second half to help Baylor close the game on a 22-8 run. College hoops tonight at the Mood Moody Center. Texas women open their season hosting Southern in the NFL. According to multiple reports, Cowboys have signed the newly reinstated wide receiver Martavis Bryant. 31-year-old, a fourth-round pick back in 2014 out of Clemson. His career has been interrupted multiple times due to violations of the league's substance abuse policy. It was reinstated just, just, just this past Saturday. Also yesterday, Tennessee head coach Mike Vrabel announced the rookie, Will Levis, is going to remain that team's starting quarterback going forward. Ryan Tannehill's healthy, but he's going to serve as the backup. And in Los Angeles, amid injury concerns for their quarterback, Matt Stafford, Rams 
have signed veteran free agent QB Carson Wentz. Week 10 kicks off tomorrow with quite the dud. Bears welcome Carolina to the Windy City. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items for capillary food bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Yeah, the committee and their ranking, um, really just the top eight teams, period. It, it, they're mixed messages I think they're sending um, as to why they're ranking every team where they are. The Longhorns being the second highest ranked one, lost team behind Oregon. I do think Texas will have a really good case when it's all said and done. Um, but the resume versus the style points versus the kind of overall uh, best team or the overall better team, I just think there are all, all these different factors and variables that the committee is considering and none of them are prior. No data point is prioritized as this is the top data point is resume. The second data point is, you know, style points or dominance in terms of how you win games, a margin of victory, that kind of thing. Every team's justification for their ranking seems to be different. And so I wouldn't, if I was long offense, I wouldn't freak out about it. It's just the way the committee is operating right now because I think they assume this will all play itself out and they won't have to make some really controversial decision to leapfrog one team. Unless chaos happens and you get a lot of one-loss teams, then, I mean, then they can justify whatever they want because they'll, you know, have a reason for why they're ranking over one-loss team or the other. But right now with all so many undefeated teams, the reason they don't have a consistent, like, uh, criteria in my opinion is just because they, they, they believe it's going to play itself out. They believe it'll work itself out because you have enough teams undefeated in Power Five conferences will get in. Done. If you get two of those, they're guaranteed in. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, chaos would be one loss. Michigan six. beats Mich- Penn State yeah. beats Michigan this week, and then Michigan beats Ohio State. Yep. Uh, you know, and you're sitting there. Uh, Florida State loses a game. Yeah, Florida State loses a game Miami here. Miami or something. Yeah, Washington and Oregon went out from here, but then Oregon beats Washington in yeah, the college know. football in the in the Big Te- Big Pac-12 championship game. One loss. Alabama runs it out from here and then beats Georgia in the championship game. Well, then you got got a bunch of one-loss teams. And I think at that point you'd probably side with conference champions. Yeah, and Texas is a good-looking one-loss. They're one of the, if not the best one uh, Because if Oregon came back and avenged the loss to Washington, well, then they would get the head up on that because the loss to Washington the first time was at at Washington. This would be on a a neutral site. You know, I don't know who they would pick. They're going to pick one of the SEC teams. Would it be Georgia, uh, you know, Alabama because they beat Georgia or would it be both? And you're gonna, I mean, if it's both, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. You, you, you would hope that they have to pick one. So it means you'd want whoever wins that, say if Alabama beats them, then it's a, a win where, you know, say a dominant win, where it's a win with the margin of victory, they left no doubt. And then you don't have to talk about how good, how close Georgia and Bama are. You yeah. want Bama to clearly be a better team at that point. Well, and in the end, you know, there'll be a couple undefeateds in there. Maybe Georgia runs the table and is, is there. Maybe Florida State. Washington um, can do it. Michigan or Ohio State. And obviously, we've got the Michigan story pending. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, it's. Uh, I did hear Boo Corrigan last night before I went to Boo. sleep. Because that, that came down early enough before I crashed like an old man. But um, 
he did say, you know, when I was not on this committee, I used to root for chaos. I'm not rooting for chaos right now. Exactly. Those guys, <laughs> they, they want status quo. They, this they, will be easy if we get four conference champions they and, won't chalk, that are undefeated. Man. They won't chalk. That'll be good. Yeah. Um, then they got less controversy. They don't have to worry about it. And, you know, the – I, like I said, it'll take care of itself, and they don't have to start breaking. People won't break down everything they said every week, every justification for every ranking, and they won't be held to their, their feet be held to the fire publicly. If it works out, people will just you know safely, and they'll just accept. All right, undefeated teams, they're in, and then from then on, you got com- the highest ranked conference champions. A couple quick stories. Bottom of the hour, we'll get to uh, Rod's behind the burnt orange curtain talking Texas football, the matchup with TCU for the end of the hour off the record. Hey, Ty, I haven't heard your thoughts on this, but uh, the the Cowboys have signed Martavis Bryant, 31-year-old wide receiver. Uh, My question to you is this. Was Josh Gordon not available? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Didn't Josh Gordon go to your high school, Rod? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Houston Lamar, yeah. Yeah, he did. He's a good player. What what are we doing here? What's what's Jerry's uh, mind thinking here? What are we doing? Uh, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, don't know. I can't. I don't really know what to think about this move. It's a guy who hasn't played in the NFL in five years, and I don't think we really need a receiver, especially Jalen Tolbert, kind of emerging last week in his first touchdown. Uh, yeah, running, running some good routes. I don't. I don't really feel see the need. I know he's just on the practice squad right now, but I'm, I'm sure they'll elevate him at some point. So yeah, he must have had a really okay. uh, damn good workout. I'll say that. Yeah, he must. Yeah, they have three receivers on their practice squad right now. Huh. Yeah, that's no running backs over there. Uh, yeah, dude's Vaughn. He's Vaughn. I must say they got one, but yeah, they got three. They have um, Martavis Bryant, Tyron Johnson, um, and Jalen Cropper. Okay, three receivers on the practice squad now. Yeah, I don't. Get also, that. remember yesterday I mentioned that there was the uh, the end of the Monday Night Football game piece of audio or, or scene where uh, Derwin James came up to Aaron Rodgers and said, hey, when are you going to be back? And Aaron Rodgers oh, said a few weeks. Yeah, That's been clarified because, of course, Aaron Rodgers did his weekly Tuesday visit on the Pat McAfee oh. show yesterday. Oh, what's a few then? Well, he was asked to clarify that, and he said, you know, that was tongue-in-cheek. And then he said, a few fortnights. Well, a fortnight is what, two weeks? Two weeks. So what's a few then? What's the difference between a few? Six weeks? I don't know. He's not, Who he says be- that? By the way, is he, a few <laughs> who says a Aaron few Rodgers <laughs> uses the term Fortnite still just because he's trying to mess with everybody's head. Uh, and he, his, his humor is so dry. That's why people didn't think a few when, he, when he jokes on the field uh, and says, yeah, uh, you know, I'll be back soon. Whatever he said, he, he's he's really dry in his delivery. So I think he was joking. But people were there like, oh, man, he didn't he didn't laugh or he didn't, you know, joke about it at the time. I was like, I think he was joking. He's just very dry. He's a dry humor kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. A few fortnights for Aaron Rodgers. No. He's not going to be. Uh, he's four not, score and seven years ago. He's not coming back in a few. By then, the Jets will be out of it anyway. Yeah. And then he won't have yeah. any motivation to come back. That's not happening. He, he's not coming back. He's just messing with y'all's heads pretty much. I think he's smart enough to know if I stay relevant, then, you know, it, it helps my cause. It helps the team. People still pay attention. I think that's more what he's doing. I think he's just being a showman. Okay. I don't think he's coming back. Uh, also, we mentioned Will Levis is going to remain the starting quarterback. Mike Vrabel's seen enough. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's going to grab some wood and be the backup, even though he's healthy and ready to go. So, Will Levis, that's, that's your guy, Ty. You were big on Will Levis into the draft process. Uh, and, yeah, he's been good. They didn't win that game in Pittsburgh on Thursday night last week, but uh, they – he played good enough. Uh, that wasn't all his fault. He was pretty damn good in that game, I thought. So, yeah, your guy Will Levis taking the reins the rest of the way. Will Levis, Jake Ferguson, and TCU winning five games. All my 
takes of the summer. Yeah, looking you're, good at this your point. Little, your little uh, predictions are, are looking good. You were bullish on uh, Jake Ferguson, and he's turned into a heck of a player. Uh, obviously, C.J. Stroud playing best of any of the rookies. And I, I, we mentioned what had happened, and it's not hard to figure out and to, to, to realize, but you know, three of those four rookies are all in one division, right? You've got uh, Will Levis now starting for Tennessee. Anthony Richardson was starting for the Colts. He got hurt. And now C.J. Stroud doing his thing. And the NFL doing the uh, – I don't, you know, this is no favor to the fans, but I guess we can go to bed early on Thursday night too, Rod, because Chicago plays Carolina. Okay. Is there any any interest for you in watching that game? Mm. Tyler Bajant against. No, I, I mean, is Rojo and Deontay Foreman. Ooh, yeah, okay. I mean, I guess Deontay Foreman is actually playing really well. And, uh, I mean, they like Rojo a lot, and they play him. I just haven't got a chance to watch him. So maybe that'll be my, you know, interest. That'll be my, yeah, that'll be my. Two and seven against. Yeah. One and seven. I got to see the running game a little bit, but yeah, I, I'm probably not going to tune in for the whole game. I just want to see if uh, how Chicago's offense looks a little bit. But other than that, no. Bryce Young, I got no interest. Sure, in Michaels at his age, he's kind of cranky. He's like, "What? Mm. I got to go to Chicago to yeah. do a game with Carolina." Yeah, I'm not into that. Do you know who I am? Okay. <laughs> do you know what <laughs> Herb Street's like? Man, I travel enough. I don't need to go do that game. That's true. But they, they pay me well, so hey, I'll be there. You're damn right. The money talks, man. Also, this note, and then we'll get a timeout. Tiger Woods. What's he doing? Remember him? Yeah. Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. He says that the pain in his injured ankle is completely gone. Oh, here we go. Completely gone. Here we go. He's going to be ready for the next major. He says, my ankle is fine. When they fuse my ankle, I have absolutely zero issue whatsoever. That pain is completely gone. The other areas that have been compensated for, all the surrounding areas where I had all my problems, I still do. So you can fix one thing and have and be more hypermobile to get around, but it can lead to some other issues. So we'll see. Yeah. I think I mean, the next great woods we see in Route 4 is Charlie. You think You think Tiger's done, done? We're competing for, at the highest level. Yeah. I, I don't like, know that he can play four rounds anymore with his condition right now. I don't even know if he could walk a course. Never doubt the hard champion. Well, I know that. But uh, the four rounds and being against the, you know, the elite players right now, I, I don't doubt that he can play. But his son is something else, man. The golf swing his son brings to the table. He's a natural. Oh, well, he's yeah. taught by the best. <laughs> and he's got a lot of – he looks like his dad's swing. And his dad, of course, is training him the way he was trained. Um, yeah. Watch out for him. He he teed off on the final day of the uh, Junior National Championship going on. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Nice. Charlie Woods. He's got the genes. He's got the genetics, man. He's got the um, DNA for it. Could you have a better coach? Uh, well, there's an argument to be made at times that the most talented of athletes aren't the best coaches because they have natural God-given gifts that they can play at a high level. So they didn't have to learn each level of the game and they didn't have to learn to master fundamentals and technique because they had freakish athleticism or freakish skill to put them on the top. So the, there is a theory that your better coaches are actually guys who weren't great players. They were players. They weren't great players. They had to master fundamentals sure. and technique, and therefore they can teach it because they had to master it. You know, the great players, they, have frust- they, they get frustrated at times trying to teach that because others can't do what they can do, and they have, you know, a lot of, you know, obviously frustration trying to um, teach those lessons and pass down those lessons and disseminate those, those sure. lessons. Well, Tiger, Tiger was a prodigy. I mean, we saw him on yeah. national TV swinging so a golf club when he's three, four years old. And his son and might be a prodigy too. Maybe too. Yeah. Maybe but, too. But sometimes that's, that's, that's hard. And they, they'll be added pressure on him too that Tiger didn't have early on watching. 
All right, we'll come back. When we do, we go behind the burnt orange curtain off the record before the end of the hour as we roll on on a Wednesday. It's Hook em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Coming up for the top of the hour, it's off the record. Stories you maybe have missed but need to hear, including a sad day for America after Election Day yesterday, Rod. Sad day. Uh-oh. What happened? I'll tell you enough. Mm-hmm. Sad day, man. But you know what? Every Every vote counts. Every vote counts. Have your vote heard. Hey. Don't complain if you didn't vote. That is true. That's true. That's why it's the greatest country in the world. Your voice can be heard. That's exactly your right. can be counted. That's exactly Get right. there. Oh. And uh, so we're talking Fortnites and uh, Tiger Woods and football and the Longhorns at number seven in the college football playoff. We'll go off the record before the top of the hour. Uh, a lot of good stuff. It's an Over the Hump Wednesday, getting you now firmly focused on what's to come, including the uh, – you know, as good as the football was last week, Rod, and there's good college football games this weekend, but the NFL games, heavyweight matchup for the, for the, for the local teams. But uh, Cowboys play the Giants ugh, this weekend. Uh, Giants are a bad football team. You know, they just paid down. How about Daniel Jones getting paid this offseason? He's now, this past weekend, suffered a pretty severe knee injury. He'll be done for, you know, the question becomes, will he ever be the starting quarterback of the Giants again? Um, yeah, probably. He'll probably be a stopgap until they find a – well, I gotta think. I think. I gotta think. They're in the tank for whoever category. Yeah, but they pay them so much money. There'll be so much dead money associated with them. It, it, is it possible to just toss them after one year? I mean, you, yeah. Well, I mean, now it's already November. He just got hurt. I don't know that you can expect him to be ready to play next year. We've seen this with Kyler Murray. Very true. Yeah. Uh, so he's still going to be on your books, though. Yeah, he's on your books. I mean, he's on your books. So why why toss him out? Why pay him to not even be there when you? You got to pay him anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you signed him to the deal, so I think he'll stick around. But I'm with you. I think this is the beginning of the end. Oh, it's uh, the end of him as yeah, the starting it's, quarterback it's the there. Of the end, no doubt. That's who the Cowboys will face coming up. That is the uh, 3:25 late afternoon tilt. And yeah, we mentioned the game tonight. Not so great. Texans will play at the Bengals. That's not who you want to be playing right now. Tussling with Cincinnati. Uh, well, Texans are not really who you want to play if you're Cincinnati because Texans really got nothing to, to they got nothing to lose really because nobody thought they'd be a playoff team. They're not contending. Nobody's expecting them to be a playoff team. If they do, that's found money or they contend for the division. But nobody's expecting that. Expect Jacksonville to win a division. Nobody expects them to win a playoff. The the the, the Bengals, though, on the other hand, they're expected to be a team that contends for a Super Bowl. Um, and they started real slow this year, like they do every year. They're rounding into form right now, but the Texans are a dangerous team to play. Well, the uh, Bengals have won four in a row. They beat Arizona, Seattle, San Francisco, and Buffalo. How about the last three? They beat the Seahawks, who's a playoff team, uh, San Francisco, and then Buffalo, three straight. No, I think Houston can be competitive in that game. That's just not into Cincinnati where the defense is coming around and Joe Burrow's getting healthy. Uh, I like the Texans. I love C.J. Stroud, but – you know, that'll be a challenge. And then Cincinnati, after they play Houston, gets the first of their two meetings with the uh, or their, their their latest reunion with the Ravens. How about that? That'll be quite the game because, of course, they play that'll Baltimore. That'll be a big game. Or, that'll yeah. be a huge game uh, coming up. So, yeah, Houston plays the noon game, and then uh, 
Cowboys play the late afternoon game. The best game of the weekend coming up is uh, San Francisco and Jacksonville with both teams off their bye weeks. So uh, both should be fresh. Um, San Francisco may be healthy. I don't know if it'll end up being that good of a game, actually. I think San Fran's going to roll a little bit. I think they might win it convincingly. You think so? Yeah. I mean, they just had a bye. Jacksonville has won five in a row into the bye. They beat Atlanta, Buffalo, Indianapolis, New Orleans, and Pittsburgh into their bye week. What's the last time we've seen San Fran lose like this? Lose three in a row. Oh, it's a it's something. a it's a barometer game for, yeah. for Jacksonville so to go on the road. There's a sense of urgency. That's oh, a, it's actually in Jacksonville. Yeah, there's a sense of urgency right now. I think with San Fran, I think they're freaking out a little bit. I bet you get their best foot. If forward. That game was in San Francisco. I would agree and, with you. That game's in Jacksonville. And though. they'll be healthier. I mean, they'll have they'll have their full complement of offensive players. They've been dealing with injuries with Trent Williams. They've been dealing with injuries to Debo Samuel. Uh, dealing with injuries to Brock Purdy. The real question is: Is Brock Purdy going to start playing like the Brock Purdy that? He played like when they were fully healthy offensively. As soon as he lost Debo, man, he looked different, and he had de- he dealt with the concussion. I guess in my he head, I was, I was thinking that game was in San Fran. It's in Jacksonville. I think that'll be a real good game. Uh, I'll take I'll take San Fran. Okay, well we'll go ahead ahead on that coming up later in the week. I think. Hey, let's go behind the burnt orange curtain. Good stuff coming. That's a Wednesday for you. And they were all asking themselves the same question: What is behind that curtain? <laughs> All right, Sark uh, Monday spoke to the media. He actually was very long-winded <laughs> in some of his uh, responses. 34-minute press conference, right? 35, um, having edited that. And it's all him. I mean, it was, it was all Sark just, uh, you know, like I said, being very yeah, uh, loquacious. I mean, he really was. He was a guy that gave you very detailed answers. Um, and I think a lot of it is he's getting in the mode of campaigning for his team a little bit, too. Because he now understands the college football playoff rankings coming out every week. Um, there are some talking points that may not be, uh, at least public, may not be uh, publicly discussed uh, about Texas that he wants to put out there, how they're winning with a backup quarterback. And, th- and, and he talks about the opponent and where they were ranked uh, and statistically before they played Texas and what Texas did to him. So I think a lot of it is now he's starting to throw out some of the, 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 the campaign propaganda for his team. But wait, that's part of his job. I'm glad he's doing it. He should be doing it. Um, but the game's going to come down to how Malik Murphy plays if he starts and if Quinn uh, Ewers is going to end up starting because he's now day-to-day and practicing with the team. Um, so Sark was asked about uh, Malik Murphy and Malik Murphy's struggles. And he was also asked about how, you know, when you start, you know, breaking down and evaluating Malik's performance in that game, uh, one of the things that, that stood out to me, and I'm sure a lot of people noticed it too, um, he doesn't throw the ball away often. He he doesn't eat the ball, what they call eating eating the uh, the ball as a quarterback, which is take the sack or you know throw it away. He doesn't throw the ball away. He doesn't eat the ball very often, and that's a problem because there are plenty of throws that you can go back and look at where oh man, just live to fight another day. Uh, reserve the right to punt, and Texas would be in a, a lot better position. But he forces some things, which young quarterbacks do, because they believe, hey, man, I can make that play. And usually kind of goes back to their, their high school days where they did make plays like that. Um, and they could make those extraordinary plays. Um, and at the college level, they're more risky plays that put the ball in jeopardy and therefore put your, um, your team at risk. Here's Sark when he was um, talking to uh, the medium and asked about Malik uh, and his development and why he doesn't throw the football away and why he should at times consider throwing the football away. It's always the challenge for for 
you know, first first time starters, you know, first two, three, four game starters uh, at quarterback because, you know, in practice, you, you know, like we talked about last week about, you know, the guys rush the quarterback and the quarterbacks aren't allowed to be hit. And so they, they pull off. And so sometimes you think, oh, that's just how the game goes until you realize a guy's putting his helmet in your chest as you're, as you're trying to throw the ball. So you realize, okay, they are actually going to hit me now. Uh, and two, there's not as many consequences in practice. You know, you can have some of those consequences in scrimmages, uh, but you don't get to have the consequences in practice when you throw an interception, when you force a ball, um, because you're going through the script of practice and you've got to get certain plays repped and done. In game, you throw that interception, A, you're off the field, you know, B, they get the ball on your eight-yard line or whatever it is, and they score a touchdown. Like, it impacts everybody. And so sometimes you have to have the, the real-life experience. You have to have some of those growing pains to, to understand the value of those types of plays. Uh, and they're the least – sexiest plays for a quarterback it, it is a tough thing to do the, one of the hardest plays a quarterback ever has to make is throwing a ball away um, because you think competitively there's always a throw that I can make but quite frankly the most competitive play a lot of times you can make is throwing that away when you're competing for your team and the impact that it has for your team and earning the right to punt and let your defense go play defense and things of that nature so it's a it's a big challenge um it's a big challenge to coach it's a big challenge for the player to understand the value in that like i said i think sometimes you you have to have real life experience to to understand the significance of that play and the consequence of that play when when you make it and so hopefully um like i said i think that that he learns from that uh and and we we don't you know the the sign of a really good player is that they don't make the same mistakes twice and that they learn from those things and i think you know malik's a very conscientious young man and uh, i think that he'll definitely learn from that uh according to our friends over at hook'em headlines malik murphy is the only big 12 quarterback with over 50 passing attempts this season who doesn't have a throwaway as a quarterback. Um, and he's not being pressured a ton, 17% pressure rate on his drop back so far this year. That's actually one of the lowest pressure rates uh, against uh, opposing quarterbacks in the Big 12. Um, but he's got a really high turnover-worthy play rate, which actually is the highest turnover-worthy play rate of any Big 12 quarterback. Now, he's only started two games, um, but – Based on the the analytics and the metrics, he has as many turnover-worthy uh, plays, or at least the rate of his turnover-worthy plays is as high as any Big 12 quarterback right now. So throwing the football away may help him out a little bit more. And I think he's seeing ghosts at times. He's seeing pressure that's not there because anticipating pressure and feeling pressure is different than seeing the pressure as a quarterback they, they tell you that you don't want to see the pressure because that'll freak you out that'll mess with your mechanics and your footwork you want to feel the pressure so you can move around from it and i think at times malik murphy sees the pressure as a young quarterback he identifies a pre-snap that it's going to be a pressure or it's going to be a blitz and he sees the pressure that affects his footwork which is why he throws off the back foot Throw, you'll see him make throws when he's actually retreating instead of what they tell quarterbacks to step into the throw, step up into the pocket. So then you'll be able to plant your feet and you'll be able to deliver the football on time and more accurately. And there are times when he steps back 
in the pocket. And it's not that the, the, there isn't space there for him to operate. There is space for him to operate. Um, but I think because he understands the pressure is going to be there, yeah, the pressure will be there, and you might get hit because the pressure. Something else Sark brought up there, right? You're going to get hit. You have to expect to get hit. He's a big guy. He can take it. Um, but, yeah, that's part of the process of being a young quarterback, understanding I'm going to take a hit to deliver this football. But to deliver it accurately with authority, I have to step up in the pocket. I could avoid the hit, and then, but I may deliver a football inaccurately and off my back foot, and then therefore, therefore I won't deliver it with the velocity that is needed at the time. So I think as a young quarterback, that's what he's got to learn. Feel the pressure, and when you feel that pressure, you still got to step up into the pocket, into that pressure at times. Yeah, you might have to take a hit. Um, and there are times ways to avoid that pressure in the pocket, but still you have to step up in the pocket to deliver throws. You can't make throws retreating and off your back foot. Yeah, yeah. No throwaways. I mean, you just heard Sark said it is the toughest, toughest thing to teach a quarterback. And, again, this is the transition from high school football to college football. In high school football, you can make some of those throws, and you'll oh. still complete them. Yep. Because the windows are so big and the, you know, the difference in athletes are so big. Uh, obviously, in college football, you can't do that. And certainly, to the next level, you absolutely can't do that. Uh, so, yeah, getting rid of the football. Re- reserve the right to punt. Uh, always no been the, uh, uh, the conference, especially with the defense like Texas can bring to the table exactly. uh, this year. Okay, so good stuff right there with Rod behind the burn orange curtain. Coming back, we're going to hit off the record. Uh, some stories maybe you've missed but need to hear on this Wednesday morning. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. D.D. Mega Doodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a break my head comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. That's right, never sucks on off the record. This does kind of suck, though. I hate to see this. That uh, yesterday was election day. Hopefully you got out and did your civic duty, performed your civic duty. But um, you and I, Rod, did not get to vote in the 47th District of Virginia. Mm-mm. But uh, we may have told you recently about the story of the uh, Susanna Gibson, who was running for office there. Uh, oh, yeah, the one with the uh, – she's got an OnlyFans account too, right? No, she likes website? to uh, perform sex acts with her husband on something called Chatterbait. Uh, okay. Yeah, and she's in, she was the one that was in an open relationship, but her husband doesn't like to share. Remember him? He was getting taken for a ruse. Yeah. yeah she likes to be open. He doesn't, uh, so that doesn't go good. Uh, she lost her election yesterday by less than 1,000 votes to the Republican businessman David Owens. Uh, so she lost. Shame. Uh, that's expected. Shame. Yeah. Yeah, you can't be um, philandering like that. <clears throat> Expect the people to vote for you. She got some that. votes, though. Yeah, got some votes. Got she says other. we were just sh- sharing intimate moments with one another. They're a loving couple. Yeah. It's, it's still hard to run for public office when, you, like I said, when you're openly philandering the way she was. It's yeah. tough to do. Yeah. It's tough to convince people to trust you when yeah. you can't be trusted in your own house, in your own home. Yeah, she, uh, the nurse practitioner and her husband, attorney John David Gibson, performed live stream acts on the site Chatterbait, and um, then they and then those uh, this is this these sentences are amazing. More than a dozen of those videos ended up on a secondary site called Recurbate. Okay. So yeah. All right. Then, <laughs> then discovered by re- Republican operatives. Uh yeah. Well, you know what? She must have been a threat then. They discovered you know the evidence and put out there to the people. There you go. There you well, go. she lost. Power to the people. Less than 1,000 votes, though. She, um, she, made, 
She made I, a run though. How she many people voted? Drop out. Like four thousand. Oh, I don't know. I don't have the totals. Yeah. In the fifty seventh district of Virginia. It's a little, uh, yeah. People there, I'm sure, is one into it. She probably could win in a place like Vegas, like a Vegas district or something. Yes. She got to go to the right district. Just in Virginia is probably, probably not, not going to go. There. Yeah, that's just not the spot for you. Uh, okay, how about this? Uh, exclusive USA Today has hired a reporter, a 35-year-old reporter, to simply follow Taylor Swift around full-time and report on Taylor Swift's activities. His name is Brian West. Oh, I thought you said Brian Windhorse because that's what he's done with LeBron James the last twenty. That is years. It, it basically they've hired, <laughs> they've hired Brian West to be the Brian Windhorse of Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. It basically, that's I thought that's what you were going to say when you said Brian W. And I was like, oh, no, full time job. It said uh, one woman said I was one out of eight people chosen from hundreds of applicants to uh, be a finalist for the interview, um, and turns out they hired Brian had had this dude, which is a little surprising actually. I don't know. I thought it would have been a woman that'd get that gig. That would huh? be a horrible job. The, what do you mean it's a horrible job? That's a great job. Mm. Taylor Swift's gonna be Taylor Swift is big business. Yeah, she's but, gonna be in business for a long time. Oh man. no, that's Brian Windhorse. He started in Akron when especially, he was in high school, following that guy. And now he's working at ESPN. Now he's and, NBA insider. Especially if the Travis Kelsey thing works out, and they have kids. Oh yeah, and they get married and everything too. That this guy's gonna that's end up getting happening. a raise, and this dude will end up, dude. His plug is his reports will end up getting, you know, going viral, picked up and everywhere, picked up all across the world because everybody around the world yeah. wants to hear what the hell Taylor Swift's doing all the time. Especially with Travis Kelsey. Why, well, why, is, why is Taylor Swift host, hosting girlfriends and wives of Chiefs players when they've been dating for like two football, months? Man. They've been dating for like two nope. months. Let's, let's not Shane get ahead Michelle's of wife. Here. She was there. Yeah, Shane I, it's, Michelle's it's, wife was there. It's so dude, it's all a show. Like I'm. It's I'm, not a show. I, yes, dude. it is. She's, yes, it she's is. meeting the parents. You don't, you don't play with mom and dad. Like Everything that, that she does is calculated. Everything. I don't. I think. This. I think. I think we're past the point now of this I'm being a, that. a it's shameless promotion. I promise. Well, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. That it's it's calculated, calculated, the Kelsey family as a whole is sold out too in the past two years. Like it's 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 all. It's, they have. I don't disagree with that. They have. They have been on a lot of commercials, but I think this relationship actually there is genuine. I think it's authentic. I do too. I do I'm too. not saying it's going to work out, but I think it's authentic. I do too. I'm with you on that one, Rod. I know a lot of people don't. Ty certainly ties it, subscribes to every conspiracy theory that there is. <laughs> he loves the grassy knoll. Sure. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, but no, I, I, you know, I'm just saying, like, again, Brian Windhorst, you really did. He, he, he covered LeBron James with, with the Akron Beacon Journal back mm. when he was in high school. Yep. And he's risen with LeBron and gone where he moved to ESPN, hired him. And now he's one of their insiders. I don't have a thought on Brian Windhorst other than that's Smart a nice move. train to get on. Smart move. Get on the comment. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And this, whoever this guy is, Brian West, if he has good enough reports like Brian Windhorst did and people really want that info on Taylor Swift, I'm sure some network will be like, you know what, man, we're just going to hire you because you got because the, the, the people you have to meet to become a Taylor Swift insider, just like Brian Windhorst, the people that he had to meet to become a LeBron James insider, are going to help him in other uh, open him up to other circles. Who is this that hired her to do this, him to do this? USA Today. Oh, USA Today. Okay, national newspaper. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> hey, a Florida woman bit in the face by a nine-foot alligator while snorkeling. Uh, Marissa, do what? people actually snorkel where there are alligators? Some say you're snorkeling in the swamp. Like, does that happen? I guess. Ocala, in, Florida. In Florida, it does. I guess. I thought you just snorkel in, like, the ocean. I, That's dangerous enough. I don't snorkel, so you're asking the wrong person. Yeah, I, I ain't snorkeling where there's alligators. I would never snorkel. She got bit in the face. Lake, ocean, or any open body of water. Maybe I'd snorkel in a pool. She's okay, though. <laughs> She's okay? She got bit in the face by an alligator? She's okay? What's your definition of okay? She's got some minor injuries. 
what's mine. Very lucky. Stitches in my face, a, a gator tooth in my cheek. Yeah. <laughs> That's Here's her boyfriend, Shane. I heard a rush of water. I turned around to make sure she was okay. Then I saw the gator. I saw her head in its mouth. And what did you do? What did he do when he saw her head in his mouth? I don't know. He, what what would that? you do? I that's probably one of those moments like, where oh, damn. Your, your relationship is on the line right now. Either you're gonna fight that alligator and get your wife's head out of that or his mouth, or uh, y'all gonna be divorced pretty soon, or you ain't gonna have a wife. I'll give you the the outcome on the other side. Come on. The outcome. She's still living. Well, he stepped up there. Shane's still around. Hook him up.